What's going on good people? This is the Common Man Nate Lewis back with a brand new comment take. Today is September 17th, 2018, Podcast.weebly.com, and there is a lot to get into. I don't have that much time, so quickly, we're going to go over the review for WWE Hell in a Cell 2018, and then on the UFC side, we will talk about a story that I wanted to talk about for the last week or two here, and we'll finally get a chance to discuss that. But first, Hell in a Cell. Now, this pay-per-view um, it's kind of gotten thrown into a little bit of the back burner, except for that it was the first in a line of shows that WWE has coming up between the Hell in a Cell show, the Super Showdown show in Melbourne, Australia, the WWE Women's Evolution pay-per-view, and then the Saudi Arabia show, all taking place roughly within a couple of weeks of each other. So, as much as in the last... Two weeks or so, we've been told this match is taking place at Hell in a Cell. We've also been setting up matches for that those other shows as well. So this kind of feels like a mess of shows that we're building towards. So this was the first step. Now, when I found out the show was this weekend, maybe a couple of days ago, my first thought was, okay, I know two of the matches for sure. Um, actually, I knew three of the matches for sure. But it didn't feel like we were going to get any kind of finality to any of those matches because the Melbourne show, show appeared to be kind of like the ending destination with that large crowd that we have coming up for that show. So I kind of expected some fuckery with some of these finishes, and that's kind of what we got. But I have to say, overall, I really enjoyed Hell in a Cell. I thought some of the matches were uh, very, very good. And um, although we got a couple of wonky finishes, a couple of clunky finishes, uh, overall, I did enjoy the show. And we'll get more into that, starting with this review, with the pre-show, New Day versus Rusev Day. And the first thing I'll say about this is I, I kind of noted in the group in the group uh, in the group thread that the New Day main event in SmackDown winning the tag team titles not all that long ago against the Bludgeon Brothers. This make sure I say it with the same enthusiasm as said on television. This series of matches. To get a championship opportunity against the New Day. Uh, that's going on for a couple of weeks now. And New Day's been out there on commentary. So there's been some build to this. And so it was a little surprising to me that we had this take place on the pre-show. But nonetheless, we had the match. The match was a lot of fun, as most New Day matches are. Uh, Rusev looked great. Aiden got a lot here in the matchup itself. Um, kind of broke down the, the announcers and through the replays. Pointing out what was the turning point in the match. Rusev was going for a diving headbutt. Aiden tagged himself in. Not so much a blind tag, but Rusev was not expecting it. There was a little breakdown of communication. Rusev missed his dive. Uh, uh, Aiden hit his uh, mini miniature frog splash. There was some clusters, some confusion. Rusev was tossed to the outside. Aiden got hit off the ropes. Kofi hit the trouble in paradise for the win. New Day still your tag team champions and some dissension teased within Rusev Day. Uh, like I said, the match was fun. A lot of fun to watch. Uh, one of those matches where if we got a little bit more time, I thought it would have been really great. Um, but nonetheless, the match was very, very good. Sucks that it was on the pre-show, but as we saw later on, even though there was a four-hour window for the pay-per-view, WWE went home way sooner than that, which I am very much thankful for. So opening up the pay-per-view in the red Hell in a Cell, Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy in a match I did not personally care about. 
I was given no reason to care about this other than Orton sticking his finger in uh, Hardy's uh, gauge, and I don't need to see that. The first time they, I saw him do it, I was grossed out. My wife, who's in the nursing field, didn't think it was that big a deal. And, and in theory, it isn't. Just the visual of it is fucked to me. But other than that, we were told basically the reason we were given this match in Hell in a Cell is because Jeff Hardy wanted to do it before he retired. So, I mean, yeah, it's one of the flimsiest of reasons, but I mean, at least we got a reason. And the match itself was good. I wouldn't say I was blown away by it at all. I've seen Randy Orton versus Jeff Hardy for the better part of, geez, it feels like, it feels like 12 years now. Um, so there's nothing really new added. They use ladders, they use chair uh, chairs, they use belts, uh, including Randy Orton getting whacked with Jeff Hardy's belt on the spike side and fucking just his back looked disgusting. Um, there was a spot, I believe this was the senton spot where, or the swanton spot, when Jeff put the chair over Randy Orton and hit the swanton that... Orton all of a sudden was missing a chunk of meat off his leg, which was fucking gross. And and, and to me that that was the scene when I saw it, I was just like, ooh, okay, yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm good on this. Um, but that was preceded by Randy Orton putting a screwdriver to Jeff's fucking gauge and twisting it. I turned away that whole part. I'm sorry, I don't need to see that. Um, my wife didn't think it was that big a deal. My son just thought it was weird, but I I don't ever just leave the gauge alone. I'm sorry. And for me personally, I'm not saying that WWE needs to stop doing it because I'm a little queasy on it. And some other fans are, obviously, if you go online. But I, I just don't need to see that again. Um, match broke down. Hardy puts Orton onto a table, sacks up two ladders um, directly, directly lined up with it. Climbs up to the smaller ladder. Looks like he's going to do the kind of uh, springboard leg drop. Changes his mind on that. Goes to the taller ladder. And at that point, I'm like, well, he's not jumping off of that. Because anything he does, if he does any type of flip, he's hitting that cage. So he then begins to basically monkey bar across the, t across the cell here. Goes over to Orton. He's just swinging and swinging. And the camera does a good job of just keeping an eye on Jeff. Apparently, if you were, you were there live, you saw Orton get off this table well ahead of time. Um, Hardy's up there, and he's trying to kind of get enough momentum to take the spot that he does. I don't think he quite got enough, but he goes tumbling down right through the table, uh, head, neck, and chest first. Looked horrifying. The referee calls for the medics. And there's been a lot said about this. I will tell you exactly what I said when this happened. So the ref has the cell raised. He's calling for a medic. And Orton goes for a pin. And the referee goes, he's hurt. And I went, why the fuck does it matter? Count the pin. If you're going to stop the match either way, Orton's the winner. Orton's going for a pin. So just fucking count. But this referee decides that I have morals and principles. And so this man is clearly hurt. You might do more damage by laying on top of him for three seconds, even though you're currently laying on top of him now for three seconds. So why not just count the pin? So this goes on for a few seconds, and finally the referee does a quicker count. Orton gets the win. Medics come out. Jeff Hardy's carded off, and that we have it. Like I said, good match. Not going to put it 
Uh, if I had to give this a rating, I actually thought because of the ending of this match, I gave it an I match rating. Wasn't anything too special. The earlobe twist is something everyone's going to talk about. The chunk of meat that Orton is missing off his leg, he put that up on Instagram. That's fucking disgusting. Uh, and then I, I wasn't a big fan of the finish. Overall, the match was fine. Up next, we had a match I didn't get the chance to see too much of. I was in the middle of dinner, and that's one of the reasons why this review is going to be a lot shorter. I just didn't have a lot of time to sit and watch each and every match. But uh, Charlotte versus Becky Lynch for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. From what I saw, the match looked fine. I've heard others say that there was a lot of missed spots. Miss, miss spots. Botches. Don't know why. I got tongue-tied saying that. Um, but... From what I saw, the match looked good. Becky was clearly still a babyface to this crowd here in San Antonio. I was waiting for a pop. Um, Charlotte was, and I wouldn't say Charlotte was booed, but what I found funny was there was a lot of reports of uh, security taking I boo the woo signs. Um, even through that, though, you didn't get a lot of Charlotte really being booed. The finish was Charlotte going for a spear, Becky rolling out of the way, um, Rolling out of the way and getting the uh, getting the cover one two three. Becky Lynch is your new SmackDown Women's Champion. The crowd popped huge. I was kind of shocked. I didn't think they would go with this so soon. I thought this would be something for the um, a, a SmackDown right after. Um, sorry, the Women's Evolution pay per view. I figured we would do it at that time. But uh, pleasant surprise. The crowd was happy. I was very very much happy. Um, after the match, Becky celebrating. Charlotte playing the sympathetic babyface is is upset, but looks to at least be content with the fact that hey, I might not like this chick, but she was my friend. So she goes for an embrace. Becky throws the title in her face, holding it over her head, basically pays you a big fuck you and walks off. Now, I don't know what other people were hearing from other shows, but to me. This kind of got a small pop, not a huge pop, and it wasn't a lot of booze. It got a pop, and Becky walks up the ramp. To, to me, to me, from what I can see, he'll move. To people like me who has followed this story they have told from the first week that Becky got on her win streak on SmackDown, Becky is still the babyface. I'm sorry. I've got, look. Everybody's talked about everything with Becky Lynch and SummerSlam and the way that all came about. So I'm not going to dive back into that. But just if you continue that storyline until now, Becky then beat Charlotte, hopped out of her shadow, and did it clean. Charlotte is a dick. So why, if you're Becky Lynch, would you shake her hand? You had to delay this moment. This, this is your moment. And it got delayed because your friend was a dick. And now your friend is trying to steal your spotlight again and being a dick. So, no, you don't get my embrace. This is my moment. Stop being a dick. Thank you very much. Now, I read on a lot of my Twitter feed and in a, a group thread I was in, people were still saying, WWE is trying to get so much sympathy on Charlotte Flair. We don't care. Look, look, look. Excuse all the dick references I just made in, re in regards to Charlotte. I actually do feel bad for Charlotte. It's the way the... It's not the 
booking of this feud is the WWE's interpretation of the story that they told that put Charlotte in a really bad position. Charlotte is not someone we should be booing. She's not really a heel. She's done some dickish things. Um, but if you're on her side of it, she's really done nothing wrong either. It's just, it's bad circumstances. So, Charlotte's still a babyface. Becky is definitely a babyface in this. Was interpreted wrong, but there's a chance to correct this. And things, I think, going forward with Becky Lynch should be interesting and can be interesting. And we will see where they go from there. I have no doubts they will continue to fuck this up. They will continue to... Almost want to think, and we've heard the Stone Cold Steve Austin, you've heard the Stone Cold Steve Austin comparisons when it comes to Becky Lynch. I think they will still find a way to fuck up that line. They will fuck, try to, they will continue to fuck up a way to interpret her as a heel, and will continue to fuck up booking her as a babyface. But she's the champion now. She deserves to be the champion, and we'll see where they go from there. Oh, by the way, that match, good match. Up next, we had the Raw Tag Team Championship match. Dolph Ziggler and Drew McIntyre versus Seth Rollins and Roman. I'm sorry, Roman Reigns. Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose. This was the best match of the night, and this is one of those matches where it got going and it was so back and forth that it kind of. Don't take this the wrong way. I still think this is the best match of the night, but it was so back and forth it didn't seem like it was going anywhere, and so that part kind of bored me at the beginning. But the match picked up. There was a shit ton of fucking moves, reversals, um, spot after spot after spot down. Seth is going for the Falcon Arrow on Dolph Ziggler, hits the suplex, is going for the Falcon Arrow. Drew comes flying in, Claymore kick, perfect time, and Dolph lands on top, gets the one, two, three. Like I said, this was the best match of the night, and I'm not giving it really any justice here in this review, but I thought the match was solid. I love the storytelling as far as. Yeah, Seth and Dean were going after being tag team champions too. And Seth is already Intercontinental Champion. They didn't quite get this one, but this will again lead to the Australia show also with the Shield taking on uh, Drew and Dolph and Braun Strowman. So we'll, we'll get some finality with the next show. I thought this was solid and there was no need to change the titles again so quickly. Love the match. Best match of show. Best match of the night, clearly. And it's not even close. Except the next match, I'm I'm a little torn on this. Next, we had AJ Styles versus Samoa Joe for the WWE Championship. They replayed the Joe story book tale he told on SmackDown, which the first time I saw it, I thought was very well done. I didn't think I needed to see it again right before the sh right before this match, not in its entirety. Um, wasn't even a video package. It was basically they tied in the video package with the story. Which kind of took away from the fact that it was so cool the first time I saw it. And the second time it kind of came across as corny. But the match itself, look, these two can wrestle each other fucking every day of the week. There will be some things changed and it'll be just enough for the match to be good. Uh, this match I thought was a borderline great. Borderline great to good. I think what took me away from this match was the crowd, and that really sucks. Because if it wasn't for the fact the crowd was so dead at the beginning of this, coming off that last match, I think, I think this is easily a great and we're pushing towards excellent. Especially when we get to talking about the finish, which we'll get to 
right now. So AJ's going for the phenomenal elbow, phenomenal elbow, blah, 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 phenomenal elbow. Which, by the way, somewhere in here he got busted open. AJ's just—he's just gonna be that guy who's just gonna get busted open in every match he's in. That's just how it's gonna be. So he goes for a phenomenal elbow. Uh, Samojo counters, hits him in a Kakita clutch, takes him down to the ground, or starts to get him down to the ground. AJ does the Bret Hart spot, rolls over his body, has his shoulders down. One, two, three. And when the pinfall happened, I said, well, cool. AJ's title reign is continuing. He's established himself as a dominant champion. I'd like to see where they go with this because you almost feel like this feud should have another match, but it doesn't necessarily need it, uh, especially with the stipulations with Miz and um, Daniel Ryan coming up at the uh, Australia show. But AJ pops up, and he looks confused, and Samoa Joe's enraged. Which, at first, I just thought it was a, hey, I had it in my hands, and this fucker outsmarted me, and god damn it, I lost again. But no, he is raising his arm. The announcers announced AJ Styles as the winner, which is what we all saw, and Samoa Joe was going off. He was running by the announce table, and he mentions he tapped, he tapped, he tapped. Now, keep in mind, this is maybe a good 30, 30 to 45 seconds after the match. We have not seen a replay to back up Joe's statement, but the fact that he's saying it now, it's like, okay, we should be seeing a replay right now. And Joe walks away from the table. We're still seeing replays of the exact same angle we saw, which is basically, um, let me try to think here. This would have been AJ Styles' left side. So we're not seeing the right side, which is would have been his free hand to tap. We're not seeing this angle yet. And it almost goes a full minute before we finally get the angle. And as the ref counts one, the ref counts two, AJ Styles is tapping, then the three count. AJ appears to be almost choked unconscious, so that explains his reaction to um, being announced as the winner. Samoa Joe has every right to be pissed, and I love the finish. I thought the finish was cool. There, I've heard complaints that you know AJ Styles is involved in too many controversials or stupid finishes. Don't care. I still like it. I thought the SummerSlam finish was great also. Um, the only nitpick I have with it is just basically the, the fact that it took us so long to get that replay, but it doesn't take away from my rating of the match. I still thought the match was, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to end up on great. It was a great match. It's just that crowd at the beginning really kind of took away from it. The match was very, 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 very solid. I love this match. The feud will continue. I hope it has to end now. And we will get to kind of a problem I had with the second part of this match as we continue. So up next, we got the mixed tag team match, Maurice and The Miz versus uh, Brie Bella and Daniel Bryan. Again, this is another match I missed. I think I missed all but really to finish. Uh, I've heard people say this was a fun match. This match was a lot of fun to watch. It was a good match. So I'm going to reserve my match rating for this. I will say... That Maurice getting the pin on Brie Bella was a little shocking to me. I thought with the way you structured this feud, I always said, I said this at the very beginning of the year, Miz was going to be Daniel Bryan on pay-per-view. The fact that they did it at SummerSlam speaks a lot to what they think of the Miz more than it speaks to what they think of Daniel Bryan. So you get that pin there. The next step is if you're doing one of the women and you figured it would be Brie Bella. And I'll tell you why. Brie gets this win. It's something she can then, the next time she's with Nikki, 
there's something to talk about with that. That Brie got a win. Um, and then, unless you're going to do another match with Brie and Maurice, Brie has no chance of ever getting revenge as the babyface. There's no shot of her getting revenge. Even if there's a match between, or even when we had the match between Daniel Bryan and The Miz, and Maurice gets involved and Brie punches her in the face, you still got pinned by Maurice. So to me, I thought that was a little confusing. Uh, I understand now that you're building it up that Daniel Bryan can't beat The Miz. And so now we're getting this match in Australia where the winner goes on to uh, be the number one contender for the WWE Championship. But to me, it's still weird booking because Brie will not get that revenge on Maurice. Unless they have another match, which... I don't need to see those two one-on-one with each other. So this would have been perfect just to get it done here and there and to give Daniel Bryan some momentum. He's happy now, and now his focus on, is on beating The Miz and becoming the number one contender. That's the only complaint I had with the match itself, that from what uh, or the booking of the match from what I saw. So we go backstage, and Samoa Joe is screaming at a ref, and Paige walks up, and Joe says, you saw it, and... Pages, I agree with you. And so Joe wants his rematch. We're he's expecting to have it Tuesday here in Tulsa, which is something else I'll get to. Paige says, No one won't be that soon. We've got fucking pay-per-views and network subscriptions to sell, damn it. And so we're gonna do this in Melbourne, Australia at the Super Showdown. Joe's enraged and says, if I have to wait this long, then I want no disqualifications, no count out. There must be a winner, which is Weird, <laughs> because the match he just had, the match wasn't, there was no DQ to possibly stop the match. There was no count out that was a result of this finish. And there was a fucking winner. The referee counted your shoulders down, albeit AJ did tap. But this exact same finish could happen again in the match in Australia. So, fucking why? Like, as much as I love the finish, if this was the story you were going to tell later, this makes no sense at all. None. It's like, how how, how and why are we... Huh? Like, if, if, if I'm paid, and I see this match happen the way it did, when Joe was rattling off, why do I have to wait to Melbourne or Australia for this match? And Paige is agreeing with him and says, yeah... The finish, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you won, you, you, you won. You know, you should have won. You know, you, sh you should have won. You should have won. Yeah, it's messed up. You gotta do it again. The first thing I'm thinking is, okay, so now this is the time for an I quit match or a last man standing match, which you probably won't do because you just did one. So I'm thinking, cool, we are gonna get an I quit match. Perfect. That way, instead of the referee not doing his job and basically fucking up his finish for Joe. Joe has now the opportunity to win the title and getting AJ Styles to say I quit. Perfect. Now you have to have a winner. But no. No. Now we're going to get a no DQ, no disqualification. That, but it's just... Oh. Like, who, who, who comes up with this shit? Oh. Up next, we got the Raw Women's Championship match between Ronda Rousey and Alexa Bliss. Ronda and this fucking makeup. 
I was really hesitant to talk about it on the last show because I didn't want to come across as being aesthetic, talking about aesthetics when it comes to women, because it was a little heat at that time. But this makeup shit got to go. It, I'm fucking done with it, man. No, this stop. And we got Alicia Fox out here, basically wearing something from Rihanna's trash bin. Okay, let me not talk about Alicia Fox. Let's let's talk about the match itself. So the story of the match is Rhonda's beating the shit out of Alexa until her ribs hurt, and she's selling great. Rhonda was good in it. it; was very good in this match. Selling was great. Uh, facial expressions were great. When she fired back up, it was great. All that was great. Alexa was pretty good. The match is, uh, overall was a good match. Just the we just saw Rhonda. Beat the shit out of Alexa a couple of weeks ago. And the story you wanted to tell what the, the how to make this believable that Alexa has a chance was Rhonda's ribs were hurt. So to me, you start off the match, you've got gorgeous Mickey standing out there and the ultimate distractions of Alicia Fox and her outfit. Why not do a distraction before the bell rings and Alexa goes at the Rhonda's ribs? Just off the bat. Off the bat. To me, then you can tell the story of Rhonda's fighting through her rib injury from the beginning as opposed to there's two minutes of just shit happening. And it's like, well, why can't, why can't Rhonda just go ahead and beat her? She's a badass woman on the planet. She's fucking UFC Hall of Famer. And she's going toe-to-toe with Alexa for two. Fuck that! But how you get out of that, how you prolong your match, how you tell a story, how you have Rhonda sell, you, you walked in with a maid injury just fucking play off the injury from the beginning you could have had ronda get attacked on the ramp by all three women and selling her ribs and start the match just anything anything like that at all would have probably made a lot of the rest of the match completely believable that said uh ronda wins with an armbar it's still a good match and but, but the reason i'm so upset about this is because this match could have been with anybody this didn't feel like this is a Ronda match. It, it almost felt like, well, we gave you guys that really shitty Ronda performance on Monday. So now we're going to actually come in here and have her do some wrestling to show you that she could, you know, that she can wrestle. Which we already knew. But just, I, man, ugh. I'm not as bad about that as I am the Samoa Joe thing. But that was just, and it kind of, it bothered me the rest of the match to see that. Just seeing Ronda selling after she could have won at the very beginning. But don't let me, you know, kick a dead horse. Again, the match was good. We then hit this fucking main event. Um, and when I say this fucking main event, you can tell by my voice I'm not happy with this. But what I'm not happy with, A, was the match itself. The shit we had in the cell, our red cell. Um, this is the perfect form of cell, by the way. So, Roman and Braun have had good matches. Uh, it's typically when you got chicanery and fuckery going around. So you put them in a cell, and it's like, cool, let's just throw a bunch of weapons, and they're, they'll beat each other up and do some Braun spots and all that, but they just kind of go back and forth, and it doesn't, it doesn't do shit for me at all. So I found myself very bored uh, with the match itself. And then all of a sudden, there's a spear in the corner, Braun kicks out, and Braun and Roman 
basically get to take a nap for 10 minutes, man. But that ain't the most egregious part. So they're in the ring. They're in the cell. In the middle of the ring. Both down. Dolphin Drew come out. They're trying to get in the cell. Then DNSF come out. And they fight. And they brawl. And for some reason, Dolph climbs the fucking cell just because, you know, we got to do shit. And we still have Braun and Roman just taking naps, catching a breath. Thinking about what they're going to need after the show. Seth follows Dolph up to the top of the cell. Then Drew and Dean climb to the top of the cell. And we get Kendall six spots. Get some punching, get the dirty deeds, and then Dolph just climbs down the cell, and Seth climbs down the cell too, and then they both go through tables, which is cool. And Dean and 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 Drew are just on top of the cell, and yeah, we got the other two laid out, but Dean and Dean and Drew are just up there, and then Brock comes out, and it's like. Yay! Fuckery! And Braun is looking smaller because he's getting ready to fight and, you know, all that shit. And he kicks the door open, which was fucking cool. And then he proceeds to beat the shit out of two guys who were already laid out for the last ten minutes. And then he hits an F5 on Braun. He hits an F5 on Roman and threw him on top of Braun. And all this is great. Like, I'm... That means I downplayed it. Everything about Braun coming out was great. And then that happened, and the fans are into it, and chanting one more time, and Suplex City. And then the match ends. And it's, okay, cool. And then I'm thinking, fucking Drew and Dean are still on top of the cell. Why is Dean still on top of the cell? Like, Drew took a, you know, he took a move. So he's laid out. But Dean's just chilling. And like no one's attending to, to Seth and, and, and Dolph. And the match is over in a hell in a cell where, you know, it, it's supposed to be a blow off. But it wasn't. It was the first match because, you know, we got to book shit. Um, and we have a pay-per-view called Hell in a Cell, so, I mean, our main event's gotta be in a Hell in a Cell. And then, like, match is over. And when the show went off the air, I thought, yeah, okay. Like, Brock's here. I thought that part of it was cool. Um, you could've did something where, I don't know, just something where we got some type of fit. I'm not I'm not mad that there wasn't a finish. Let me put it this way. I'm not mad at that. Some people are very mad about that. I'm not mad about that. You told the story that Brock comes in now, and it's actually a really good story. Brock never got his rematch. Paul Heyman, the next night, told Kurt Angle, hey, we want this rematch at Hell in a Cell. Kurt, for no real reason, says no. And then doesn't give a timetable for the long reigning champion to get his fucking automatic rematch clause. So that makes sense for Brock to come out and fuck shit up. Completely makes sense. But everything before that, and then the fact that there's no finish, is fucking weird, man. Like, y'all overthink this shit way too much sometimes. 
Now, you could have Brock come out and do death and destruction. And actually, you could have had Roman just pin Braun. And you could have done some stuff where you have all this stuff going around with all these guys. And you got Seth and Dolph go through the table. Dean and Drew come down from the cell just because they do. And you could have done something where fucking Drew is just yanking at this door, trying to get this door off. Dean goes to hit him. Braun's distracted off that. Roman gets his Superman punch spear, gets the pin. Just kind of awesome fluke shit, and you can go with that. Then Brock comes down, and he lays out Dean. He lays out Drew, and then he kicks the door in and lays out everybody else. And I think, yeah, the fans would have still been happy with that. You'd have got to finish. Whatever Braun loses, I mean, I, I get that, but you have a reason to continue this feud if you want to. You don't even necessarily need to continue the feud because you've already booked the feud to continue with the fucking triple... The more I'm talking about this, the angrier I'm getting. Again, I like this show. <laughs> I enjoyed this show. So let me not build myself into a stupor with this stuff. I enjoyed the show. Uh, definitely go watch it. And definitely after the show, I watched the Mick Foley 20 Years in Hell uh, special the network had. It's basically Mick doing kind of a small stand-up special about Hell in a Cell and what has been for his career. This was so good. Please go watch this. I laughed. The ending had me in tears. Um, I laughed again. Mick is so good. And this was so well done. Please go watch this. And that'll do it for Hell in a Cell. Now, I'm going to get out of here on two things. One, Conor McGregor's fight's coming up. So I'm going to wrap up my MMA coverage here a little bit in the next couple of weeks. But the big story I wanted to talk about happened over uh, a couple weeks ago UFC 228 the co-main event was to be Nico Montagna versus uh, Valentina Shevchenko now for those of you who only listen to me when I only only know about MMA when Connor or Ronda or when I talk about it um, UFC created a new UFC women's flyweight championship uh, Jesus this would have been um what was she giving about? She's giving about November of 2017. Um, Nico won the tough tournament and was crowned the champion. And then she was she had some type of injury, like a foot or something. And then she had tonsillitis. And this was, I think, tonsillitis was back in May. And so originally, I believe this fight was agreed to fight in May before uh, Nico had that happen. And pretty much from that point on, Valentina told the world this fight was not happening because nico is constantly pulling out of this fight and then this fight gets announced we do some um press conferences we do things like that we do photo shoots or we get a fight announced it's on the card they start promoting the card and i'm going okay we're gonna hit the fight valentina is gonna blitz through her um and i was even trying to convince people that maybe nico had a chance we weren't giving her credit but we all felt valentina was gonna fucking run right through her and be the champion of the division that everyone thought she should be champion of from the very beginning. Uh, the Vegas odds put Valentina as the challenger, as the biggest favorite, in a, probably the biggest favorite in a title match ever at this point. That's how much this death and destruction everyone thought Valentina was going to bring on Nico. So a couple of days before the fight, I get a notification, Nico's in the hospital, Fight uncertain. And I said, the fight's not uncertain. This fight's not happening now. And Valentina went everywhere. I told you guys this fight would not happen. I told you she would find a way to pull out. I told you this. 
And my thinking was, you're 100% right. We all knew what was going to happen. And this is, this is, it's frustrating because as I said on the show before, as I said in my article about why UFC is a cold product, shit like this is what pisses fans off. We are promoted a fucking fight and every goddamn card, somebody misses weight. Somebody gets an injury. Somebody fucking kidneys shut down from trying to cut 50 fucking pounds before a fight and we don't get what we're fucking advertised it's a running goddamn joke at this point so that anger is coming out and then nico comes out and she makes her statement which i guess this is gonna be my worked up podcast she makes her statement why would i agree to have this fight if i didn't plan on fighting tremendous point at the end of the day Nico is a UFC competitor. She's an MMA fighter. Okay. She wants to fight. Let, let's take that. Let's put that in perspective. And then her man, she starts talking more. I told UFC I couldn't fight until October. But they made me fight in September. When the fuck did you know you were going to have this fight? The problems you have and weren't able to fight in this fight is because you're trying to cut too much goddamn weight. So you knew you had this fight coming. I, I got I got on side work about this exact thing. Oh, I can't fight this soon. Um, I need another six weeks. And in Cyborg's case, it was two weeks. What the fuck? Like, they tried to sign this fight in May. You had tonsillitis. Cool. You had surgery. Got it. Three weeks, maybe, to recover from that. Now, it's time to get into shape. I know they want this fight as soon as possible. Let me get my shit together. Then they announced the fucking fight. You're doing press runs. You're doing countdowns. They're filming you at this point. Why is it that you're trying to cut so much goddamn weight before the fight? And then Nico's on social media. Oh, well, you fans think I'm scared. She's the one that's scared. No! Valentina showed up ready to whoop your fucking ass. She's been calling your bitch card for over a year. Saying you won't show up to fight. And then you don't show up to fight. This. And then to top it off, there's some people out here saying, well, I can't believe the UFC stripped her. I mean, there's been fighters that, you know, haven't fought much longer and they didn't strip them. Get the fuck out of here. This is the first inaugural champion. And she had an excuse why she couldn't fight immediately after. A, she did cut weight three, was it three times on the show? And she had an injury. Got that. They came to her in May, and it was another thing. And they gave her time for that too. A lot of time to recover from that. Something that I've been reading, I was reading stories at the time. Tosselitis, she may be not able to train and, and do things for 10 days. That was back in May. We're in September, people. And she was crying that she needed to October for the fight. Back in May. Get the fuck out of here with this. 
We already got a problem where champions win fights and they're injured um, in the camp, but they still go out and they perform, and then they want to take some time. I got that, man. They can give you some time. But God damn it, man. Like, we've got, we're have way too many fucking interim champions. We've got way too many champions not wanting to fight certain people. We've got way too many champions not wanting to go and jump different divisions because Connor did the shit. We've got way too much of this shit. Defend your fucking belts, people. Stop trying to handpick opponents. And guess what? Ain't nobody popping. And before someone says Connor, Connor ain't fought in the UFC since 2006 fucking team. Yeah, him and Khabib will get a huge buy rate. Got that. But for two years, ain't nobody popping. Ain't nobody bringing in the business. So who the fuck are you to sit there and say, well, I want to fight this person? Fucking fight. Just fight. If you're wanting to bring yourself more money, you know one of the ways you can do that? Going out and destroying motherfuckers. Pop your shit after you get wins. The belt don't mean, hey, now I'm in the money, yo. I get to call the shots. That, no, no. Stars, stars. The, the, the people that the fans want to see that will spend money on. They call the shots. You're a fucking belt holder. God damn it. This Nico shit, man. I was be I was beyond pissed about all this shit with Nico. Unbelievably upset. So she gets stripped of the title. Good. Good. At Valentina, she'll be ready to go. I'm pretty sure they're probably going to put her, if not the MSG card, at least the card at the end of the year, and she'll get a chance to finally capture the Women's Flyweight Championship. And if you're Nico, okay, by December, you're probably ready too, and they might even go with that fucking fight. I, I, I wouldn't. There's no way in hell. There is no way in hell. But I'm interested to see who they match up Valentina with. Um, I, I, I would call her the favorite no matter what. There's been people who say Joanna might be the fight they put together. I'd love to see that. But if you're Joanna, you still have a chance at your strawweight championship. Um, and you're right there. I mean, Jessica Andrade Andrade's probably got the very next shot. But you don't have to fight again to get your shot there either. So if, I, if I'm her, I'm waiting to see what the UFC offers. I'll wait to see how soon uh, Rose and Jessica Andrade gets put together. And then we go from there. But this Nico, fuck this Nico shit. I'm so, I don't even cover MMA anymore. Like, I haven't been covering it. I haven't got a chance to talk about Tyron Woodley and the fact that I've been saying this since the man won the title. Y'all have no respect for this man, and I don't know why. Yeah, he tries to pop his shit too, but at the end of the day, he still fought Wonderboy twice. You know, I felt like he shouldn't have to the second time. I thought he won that fight. He still fought Damian Maya, which he didn't want to fight Damian Maya. He knew Damian Maya met zero jack shit squat in terms of pay per view buys. But he was asked to fight Damian Maya. He fought Damian Maya. Darren Till met zero at the box office, and he's fat. But Woodley still fought Darren Till and beat his ass. And so now, Tyron Woodley, who's 
a mainstream He's a mainstream celebrity. He's on TMZ all the time. He's in movies. Uh, he, rappers talk about him. He's making um, um, songs. He's got some clout here. And now he's calling himself the greatest welterweight of all time to get interest in him and his fight. And y'all are so fucking... How dare he? He's not in GSP's level. Man, he's popping his shit and trying to get some draws in here. All right? He's trying to get some eyeballs to, to him. He's trying to make himself a star. I have no problem with that. None. And, and what reason do you still have to hate on him at this point? He's fighting everyone UFC wants him to fight. He fights everyone who's at the top of the division. He's been asking for GSP or Nick Diaz. Those things aren't happening. And he's still going out there and fighting. So what the fuck is the problem? Let him pop his shit. Anyway, I'm starting to lose my voice. And I got to be at work soon. So I'm going to wrap this up. Um... There's polls all the time on my Facebook, the Common Man Podcast on Facebook. Follow me on Twitter, Common Man Pod, uh, Instagram, Snap, all that good stuff there. Um, I'll have more in the next couple of days. Thank you guys so much for listening. Peace and chicken grease.